I've been just getting really um, excited, I guess is the word, and um, just moved when I see my daughter smile. So my, my baby, she's a year and a half, you probably saw her dancing up here. And uh, when she smiles at me especially, it just like lights me up. Like it, it fills me. Like a bunch of stuff can be happening in the, in the day. As soon as River just smiles at me, it's like it's all good. <laughs> and um, I've been just, you know, really excited on finding ways to make her smile. Like that's, that's, my, that's my passion right now. I was like, I just want to make my baby smile. <laughs> it's so awesome. And I was thinking of that old movie clip, you know, and the guy's like, do you want the moon? I'm going to throw a lasso around the moon and I'll give you the moon. How many, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like a black and white movie. I feel like I want to do that for River. And um, um, the, the ironic part about it is that I'm trying to discover what makes her happy, so we'll buy her something or, you know, and I'm willing to pay whatever. I'm just like, let's get something awesome. But most of the time, she, she's more interested in the packaging than the actual toy. <laughs> and uh, it's just so funny. And... Um, I don't know where this box came from, but we got a really big cardboard box like two weeks ago, like a giant box. And um, so I decided, I was like, it's the day has come. We're going to make River's first fort in the house. So we got out the bed sheet, you know, we like set up the chairs and the cardboard box and put a big bed sheet over it and put her toys inside. And she was running inside, just playing with it and just loving it. And I was so excited, and then um, the cardboard box was kind of getting beat up a little bit, you know, getting a little flimsy, and somehow the, the bottom part, you know, that's toast. It just got wasted, so we threw it away, but there's still the walls. So I was sitting next to her like this, like, you know, she was sitting, and I put her inside the box, and I'm outside the box, and there's a wall right here between us, and uh, I was passing her markers, and she was coloring on the walls of the box, just like, you know, making it her own space. And she was, she was so happy that she could color on something that's not paper and not, you know, she's like, I can draw on walls now, you know. She's going at it. And um, I just got excited, so I, I flipped the box, and it went in the air, and it landed over us. So both of us were in the box. And she, like, looked over at me, and she was almost amazed, like, how are you in the box too? And I'm like, I'm in the box with you. Is that okay? And she's like, yeah. And she like hands me markers and we're coloring together. And as we're coloring, um, it, was, it was fun. So I just like threw the box off of us. And I got the biggest laugh out of her when I did that. Like I, I wasn't sure how she was going to react. I just tossed the box and out comes this huge laugh. She's like hugging me. And I just thought it was so cool um, that she wasn't attached to the box, and what was more important was she was playing with daddy, <laughs> you know? And um, I was reading this passage in Colossians, and this is totally what it's talking about. Um, this is in Colossians 1, and, and it's from the message. Um, it's so cool, and this is kind of the direction we're going today. Um, actually, before we read this, just throw up the title. Life Lessons from a Cardboard Box. That's the title of the message today, so here we go. Um, but yeah, so spacious is he, talking about Christ. 
so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. I just love the wording, you know, because this is what the Apostle Paul was, is communicating, but sometimes in the King James, it's, it's hard to kind of hear the, the, the poetry of it. And uh, Eugene Peterson does such a good job. Um, but they get fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You know, we see a love come out of Christ on the cross, even for his enemies. There's even a place for his enemies. So, um, yeah, I was thinking about this cardboard box, and the more I thought about it, um, stuff just started coming out of it. And um, this, is, this is kind of the way Jesus would teach, and I really got excited in life when I realized that Jesus, when he would teach people, he could shine light on those deep wounds and dark places in humanity by talking about washing dishes. <laughs> Serious. Like, he would talk about something as ordinary and simple as washing dishes. And through that was able to unlock people's hearts. And, um, you know, so I'm kind of just, I, I kind of want to imitate him in that way. You know, keep it simple, as Gordy says. Let's just see what a cardboard box has to teach us. <laughs> and it's exciting because I really do believe, um, like what Jesus um, modeled is the birds speak to us, you know, about God. The mountains are speaking to us about God. The snow is speaking to us. And sometimes I think we get lost when we stop listening, you know. To the, we think it, it only comes from a conference or it only comes from Sunday morning. It doesn't. It can come from a cardboard box. So um, let's just see, see how we, we get into it. But I, I recognize this, this quote. This is from the old Superman, like 1978. This is so awesome. Because <laughs> this is exactly what Lex Luthor is talking about. <laughs> Some people can read War and Peace. Who, who wrote that? That's like a Tolstoy or something? Yeah. yeah. Like an epic, you know, classic book. And come away thinking it's a simple and adventurous story. You see the irony? Others can read the ingredients on a chewing gum wrapper and unlock the secrets of the universe. I was like, boom, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, so let's do it. Um, I'm sorry, I kind of want this morning to be more reflective. I'm not trying to hype us up. Um, I'm not trying to give you guys an, a really profound intellectual idea. I just kind of want to do with you what I feel like God was doing to me over the last couple weeks, and we could do it together. And um, it's, this, this was a really uncomfortable message for me. <laughs> like, and we're going to look at the life of Paul and see what he went through, and um, I think it happens to all of us. So uh, it's good stuff. But my first, my first question for you guys is... Uh, How's life in your box right now? Because we all have spaces. You know, we all have, or I guess a space where, um, let me kind of help unpack this a little bit, but your box 
is it's kind of how you view the world. It's kind, it's kind of, you know, um, what does the world look like to you? You know, is it a violent place to pr- be, protect ourselves from? Or is it an adventure to dive into, you know? What's your box? Um, you know, I think of River in her box. She's like coloring on the walls. What's on the walls of your box, you know? What have you, dri- what have you drawn? What experiences, what moments have defined you? You know, and it's like these a hard wall has been placed, like, no, this is what I believe, this is my perspective, this is my value. I would say your box is, um, it's, it's the way you view what is a good life. You know, what, what, what does a good life look like? And I'd say, who, who is living that life? <laughs> These are amazing questions, you know, and um, we're really shaped by our culture. We're really shaped by traditions, by the Bible. We're really shaped by um, words of Jesus or perceived words of Jesus <laughs> that I kind of want to get into. There's, there's things that I think, I think all of us have built our box without even really knowing it. We all just do it. And one way Jesus talks about it is we're all kind of building a house you know at the conclusion of Matthew 7 end of Sermon on the Mount his metaphor for your life is your house you know with your with the walls the foundation the materials you chose to build with Um, what what is your life house look like and um, so I kind of want to you know dive into this and um, when Mike, how many of you guys were here a couple weeks ago when Mike preached, Mike Goldsworthy? It was awesome. I really, I was really inspired by that, and um, we were hanging out after his message. And uh, Mike, was, he's actually a professor at a Bible school, and he was talking about um, what it's like to teach freshmen. You know, can I see where I'm going with this? Freshmen got it all figured out, right? They've built their house. <laughs> it's funny. I, when I was a freshman, I didn't recognize it myself, but I pretty much knew my dad is wrong, I'm right. I knew it, you know, when I'm 19, 18. I, I had a very defined house, whether it was stuff I thought or whatever, but I started to reflect as we were talking to Mike, and Mike just said the hardest part about teaching college is getting through the freshman phase because you have to break down their boxes before they can actually grow and learn. You know, how many of you guys agree that we need to grow a lot after 18 years old? (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the same 18-year-old version of Seth. My marriage would not exist, probably. Um, But, like, that that was step one in, in kind of, you know, Mike looks at his students, you know, as, like, I got four years, five years with this person. Step one is a gnarly step, you know, and it sounds a little messed up, but it's true. You got to break that box. You got to break, you got to break their pride Um, because they got all the theological answers and, um, you know, they, (laughs) it's just, it's just funny to go to a college class and watch an 18-year-old tell a 60, 60 60-year-old professor who spent their life 
in the field of study, and an 18-year-old will shout him out of the room. That was me. I'm sorry to admit. I, I literally probably, you know, kind of did that. <laughs> and I was like, such an idiot. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of brings up this question as we're talking about our box, but how permanent is your box? How, how permanent are your views on life? Um, you know what I mean by that? Like, how, how sure are you? How fixed in place? How sure are you that your coworker is a terrible person? You know? Maybe they're just having a tough week. Um, how sure are you that you're, you're a terrible person? You know? How sure are you that, like what we're touching with Hillary on the class, how sure are you on what your giftings are? Because did you know that your giftings can be stomped out? You know, from a childhood experience maybe. Something you are gifted by God to do. But somebody made a comment and you decided I'm never going to do that. How sure are you that, you know, we, we built a, a pretty strong definition around us. I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. And um, I think the older we get, the more we realize, like, oh, no, my walls are starting to shake. You know, <laughs> this house isn't as secure as I thought it was. Just like Jesus says, when the winds come and the waves rise, it's coming for all of us, you know. And um, it's, it's very... You know, it can even be, like, traumatic um, to feel your walls get shaking or even collapse. Like, how many of us are excited to have um, spiritual awakening in our life? You know, spiritual breakthrough, okay? But oftentimes, that doesn't come from feeling awesome. <laughs> you know how spiritual awakening comes? Jesus' words... He says, unless a seed goes into the ground, it, actually he says it falls into the ground and stays there, buried, it remains alone. But if it goes in the ground, and what? Dies. Then it sprouts to like 100 times fruit. Unless we fall, get buried, lost, you know, covered up in the ground in darkness, <laughs> we're not going to burst out with this life. So, you know, um, I want to encourage somebody in here today because maybe your walls are shaking and maybe you're wondering, you know, maybe I'm off the path. Maybe I'm freaking out. Maybe God left me, you know. And I just want to tell you, this is part of the journey. <laughs> this is part of the good journey. This is part of making your way to the good life. So, um, you know, and I just, I, I really noticed this last week kind of how my box is, has been shaped. And um, we were, me and Joe and my wife were hanging out watching Jimmy Fallon at night. I expected that. Jimmy Fallon! Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, we're watching Jimmy Fallon, and his guests on the show, they weren't people. They were robots. 
I'm not kidding. He had a fully, you know, it was, it creeped me out. Like, it scared me. Because sitting next to him in the chair was this robot woman with bald head and half of her, her wires are exposed. You know, it looked like the movies. And I'm just, I think I made a comment to Joe. I'm like, it's only a matter of time. Human race is about to get taken over. Right? Who's with me? If you guys see something like that, who feels that? I need some friends. <laughs> Who's afraid of technology in here? Who's afraid? Come on. You know, and because I've seen those movies, man, I know how the story goes. Whether it's Matrix or I'm Legend or whatever, you know, zombies, whatever. Vax vaccines gone wrong, you know, whatever. We're all a bunch. And then I had this revelation, okay? So my, I literally have a sister-in-law. Her profession is AI and robotics. And uh, she's extremely smart. And guess what? She's not afraid at all. I'm like, what? You know? I'm like, no, of course. Um, uh, technology advancement is dangerous and it's bad. This is my box. I'm sharing with you guys my view of the world right now. It's bad, it's bad. Okay, and I've been informed by what? Movies, pop culture, mostly. I've never read a book about robotics. I don't know how it works. I, it's a mystery to me. And yet, I'd rather go with my perspective than someone who spent big money, tons of years, did an internship in Japan at Honda, you know, came back, working at a tech company, and she, her, I don't trust her perspective. <laughs> Confession. You know, isn't that funny? Like, um, so I, I think sometimes we, we forget to even ask ourselves, why am I having such a big fear about this? Because your emotions are not God. Okay? There's a big difference between intuition and being guided and fear and anxiety. And actually, a mature spiritual life is a person who never says anything, acts, or does anything out of anxiety. That's, that's the picture Jesus gives us. A non-anxious life is a mature disciple. A non-anxious presence. So, I didn't even stop to ask myself, okay... What if robotics is good? <laughs> Serious. You know, and then uh, I was actually, throughout my sermon slide, my title, I was getting this picture online, and for some reason, whatever company I was downloading this from, Pixabay, I was downloading this photo, they really wanted to make sure a robot didn't get their hands on this download, so they throw me into the test, right? Have you had this test? To make sure you're not one of those AI thieves coming in. So they threw me in the gauntlet, and what I had to do was decipher what photo has a bridge. <laughs> I'm like, bap, that's a bridge. That's a bridge, and one was like kind of pixely and confusing. I'm just like, is that a corner of a bridge? And I just went for him. Like, Bap! You know, you passed. I'm like, yes! I'm smarter than an AI stinking robot. You know? 
And like, uh, of course I'm joking, you know, of course robots are smarter than that. But it's just like, an exa- like our fears are funny, you know, our, our reactions to the world around us, um, reactions to people. Here's my question for you guys. At what point in your life were you disqualified from accessing a good life? Because this question has more to do with your box than reality, than God. You know, it's like, yeah, I grew up, I was on a good track, you know, I went to, I was a good kid in school, but then in sixth grade, you know, my friend handed me some, whatever, pornography, and then I disqualified, you know, whatever, that's like kind of a church story. Whatever, whatever, whatever image you have of a good life, at what point did that get out of reach? Maybe it wasn't, you know, a little moral thing like that. Maybe it was trauma, you know? Like, I've had periods of time in my life where I literally thought, I'm always going to be sad, you know? You go through the death of a loved one. And I felt, I genuinely felt 100%, I'm never going to feel happy again. You know, I have lost access to the good life. And these are the things I feel like God, God's been rattling my box. <laughs> and it's like so uncomfortable, you know. What is a good life? You know, who, who is the person that has access? Who, who's in the box with me? Who have I allowed into my box? And who am I keeping out? Am I sure that I want to keep that person out? What if that person is actually helping me with, you know? It's, this, is, this is intense stuff. Um, and just to kind of land this point or whatever, kind of in a spiritual zone, uh, let me ask you guys a question. Did Adam and Eve really eat an apple? My, my Bible scholar friends. Was it an apple they ate in Genesis? Question. Uh, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? I wrote one more. Is the devil red? It's an honest question. What do you think? Guess what? All of those images I just shared are not from the Bible. It's from culture. You know, it's from 15th century art when the Medicis sponsored Michelangelo and a bunch of artists to paint hell, to paint Dante's Inferno, to paint heaven, to paint Jesus. Here's the biggest question. Is God a man that's white-skinned and has a long beard? You know? It's part of the box. You know, if I'm talking to a Fijian when I, where I used to live and I was a missionary, they think God's black. You know? Amen. <laughs> Is God black or white, you know? They told me I need to shave my beard because a holy man doesn't have a beard. I've been told that here as well. What? <laughs> Seth, you're a pastor on Sunday. You need to shave your beard. I'm just like, says who? Lutheran Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you know? We all have, pic- have painted a very defined picture. Some- we get really offended about these things. These are hot topics. But my question 
is have we even thought to ask ourselves, did this even come from the teachings of Christ who we proclaim allegiance to? (laughs) And it's very freeing to just get to a place where like, whoa, you mean I don't have to carry that anymore? I don't need to hold on to that belief? That's a load off my shoulders. Whoo! You know? <laughs> it's awesome. And actually what I found is once you, as you get closer and closer to the teachings of Christ, there's a lightness. It's peeling these layers off. The space, like we read, starts to get very spacious and expansive. And the love of God is actually a big room. A big room. It's not a tiny little box, you know? How a lot of us picture it, you know? Were you worthy to walk in here and come to church this morning? And I'm going to go out on a limb right here and tell you, the feelings you had about that today were more about your box than of God. But those are powerful feelings, you know? My friend over here, I met her a couple days, or, you know, two days ago, she asked me, how do you decipher the voices, you know, that are talking in my head and guiding me? How do I know what's God? How do I know what's not? That's a great question. (laughs) That's a great question. That's the question, you know, and oftentimes all you need is the question, and you're going to start being set free. All you need is the question. Um... There's one awesome thing I want to point out about cardboard boxes, you know, is that eventually they all break down, right? They all decompose. They're not lasting forever. And it's a very freeing thing to say, man, when I was 18, I really believed that, but it's not true. It's not true anymore. That's a heavy thing to say. To, you, and I think it's okay for me as a, a, you know, a pastor or whatever to say, you know, last year I, I had a lot of conviction about something and I taught with a lot of conviction. But now a, li- a year later after what we've seen in the world and I think I was wrong, you know. I think that's a Christ-like thing to say and I'll show you that at the very end of this, but I just want to look at Acts 9 really quick just to show you that this is the spiritual journey of the Apostle Paul. He went through this this same thing. Um, Do you have Acts 9 in there? Oh, I don't think we have it. Maybe it's okay. I'll just tell you the story. That's my baby. Okay, it's good. Mom's on. Mom's in there. Um, so that's okay. We don't have so Acts nine is actually the story. It's can I just read you guys a little bit of it just to kind of it really helps. Acts nine verse one. If you have it in your phones or Bibles. Meanwhile, Saul, who becomes Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way whether men or women, he might take them to prison where they'd get killed. They'd get thrown it into the Colosseum, you know, like the whole gladiator. Like, this is what Paul was doing. He was so sure that his way was right. You know, you guys, Paul was trained by, like, 
one of the master gurus of spiritual philosophy. His name was Gamaliel. He was like the highest. He only took a few disciples. Paul made it in. And he was trained, and he memorized everything. You know, he mastered life. <laughs> he mastered philosophy. He mastered religion. He mastered the Jewish religion, which is the Old Testament revelation of who God is. If you master something, man, you can really, you can really uh, speak with some gumption, you know, and just be like, you're wrong, you know, because you know. You're wrong. You're out, you know. In fact, you're dead, you know. You deserve to die. As, as crazy as that sounds, I hear that a lot these days. You, know, you deserve to die. It's like, whoa, coming out of a Christian's mouth? Whoa. What happened to loving your enemies? <laughs> it's like, no, you deserve to die. We're, this is about righteousness. It's like, well, you're, that's your tradition. That's not Jesus, you know. And Paul was the same way because he was shaped by tradition, intellectual knowledge, all this stuff. So one day, Paul's on his way to do that very thing, and you guys know the story. He gets knocked off his horse. You know, he takes a fall. There's real no, no explanation. He's knocked off his horse. What happens when you fall off a horse? You guys know. No, like if you've, have you ever fallen off a horse when it's cruising? I have. You don't get back up. <laughs> Not, I was like running down a beach one time and I was like, whoa, and I just, woo, and I was like, get that horse away. I'm never, ride, I don't ride a horse to this day. My good friends have horses. I don't ask them to ride their horse. I'll wakeboard with them, but not ride a horse. Paul gets knocked off his horse, which is, you know, liken it to however, have you ever been, you know, just unexpectedly just rocked off your path. And what happens is Paul pops up asking a new question. And I think it's the first question you ever see him ask. <laughs> he wasn't a guy who asked questions. He told you the answer. But for some reason, at this time in his life, it was his heart, God, the spirit of God was ready. And he fell off his horse and he pops up and he says, who are you? <laughs> who are you, Lord? He says, and what actually happens to Paul is he goes blind. Dude, this is Paul's awakening. This is scary. You know, if I'm on my mission, you know, I'm like, I'm on my mission, man. I, I'm doing this for the Lord. And I get knocked off it, you know. You know, God told me to get married to this person. And all of a sudden, you're filing for divorce. You know? God told me to get this job. I'm on my mission. I'm getting my job. You get fired. You know? God told me I was going to live here. You know? You can't find a house. Can't get a job. Can't pay for it. Your family's going to suffer. Did God? You know? You, you kind of pop up asking questions when you get knocked off your horse. And if we are asking questions like, God, who are you? Guess whose example you're following? the Apostle Paul, so that's good company. <laughs> Don't feel guilty for asking big questions. Like, this is one of the biggest revelations for me, you know, in the last couple years, is Jesus, he, he, 
He taught by asking questions. Someone would fire a question at him, he'd ask a better question back. And that, then he would just say, be on your way. You know? And he didn't even, Jesus didn't walk around going, oh, 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 everybody's going to hell. I got the vaccine in my hand. I got a jab. You know, I'm going to jab you, jab you. What kind of a person am I if I'm not giving you the jab? You know, this is how a lot of Christians view life. Why didn't Jesus do that? Jesus would be like, I don't know. You know, somebody was like, Jesus, how do you pray? He didn't give them a sinner's prayer and save them from the red devil with his pitchfork. Just saying. He would ask a question and leave. And somehow Jesus trusted God has this person. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus Christ himself didn't need to give the Romans road every time he sat down next to somebody on the airplane? Isn't that amazing? There's stories, literally, where Jesus walks with someone for a whole day, never, never tells them who he is, because it's not about that. He, he could actually do more work with them not knowing who he was. Because Jesus wasn't trying to get everybody to pledge allegiance to white, white Jesus, evangelical church. I love evangelical church. There's a lot of things in the evangelical box that have developed over time. It's not from Jesus, but maybe we need that stuff. I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe we need it. Maybe there's parts of it we need it. Maybe all of it. I don't know. You got to ask that question. Um, I just want to kind of take this a little bit. This is pretty amazing when you think of it this way. Um, Put up John chapter 1, just that verse we had. Just look at this story real quick. This is the last story we're going to look at. Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. This is the first time he meets these guys. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. You know, they're, they're, they know the tradition and the stories of the past. They, know, they have a very clear box of the Jewish tradition. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. And this is the, this is the punchline. It's Jesus from Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Look at his response, Nazareth? We already know, Philip, nothing good comes from that place. According to his box, you know, but obviously God doesn't care about Nathaniel's box because something very good is coming from Nazareth. <laughs> in fact, the brightest shining light in human history of compassion and love and forgiveness and truth was coming out of Nazareth, a place where supposedly nothing good can come from. You know, so how many of you guys are asking right now or looking at your life and saying, nothing good can come out of this? This is crap. Where I met, what happened, my past can't change. I can't reach the good life anymore. I'm out of, I'm out of reach. God's, God left me a long time ago. Really? <laughs> Apparently, darkness in your life does not mean the absence of God. 
okay? Darkness does not mean the absence of God. You're going through a struggle. God's with you. That's not a contradiction. It's not. It is to our Western mind of like, light and dark can't. We're talking about spiritual mysteries, my friends. (laughs) Yes, both can happen at the same time. There can be intense trial, struggle, doubt, confusion. Guess who's right beside you? And this, we're talking from Jesus' perspective right here. If you guys want to come up and just get ready for this last song, I just want to ask you guys a question. Um, What are you going to do when your box starts to break? You know, or what have you done in the last couple years as, you know, we're in turbulent times, turbulent world. Do you feel the need to reinforce the box? You know, no, no, I got to stay away from that group of people. And I got to just read my, my own, you know, I got to go back to my college curriculum and reinforce everything I learned in college because I'm losing my anchor. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. You know, I need to, I need to go back to Pastor Gordy because... You know, back then when I was with him, no, I, want, I wonder if we can trust a God who, here's my question, are you more attached to your box or are you attached to God? It all can shake and God does not change. Our ideas of God change. We don't have to be afraid, you guys. Whatever comes tomorrow, we don't have to be afraid of that because God is reality. Like, the most real thing in the universe is God. We're not going to find out some scientific truth that means faith can't exist anymore. And the most awesome thing, you guys, Actually, what we're seeing is more discoveries are happening. Did you know scientists are saying the same things that monks were saying hundreds of years ago? And it's kind of coming full circle. We, don't need, we, we get so much fear over science or faith, science or faith. Just let it play out, my friends. <laughs> it's all good. You don't need to hang your cap on that one. It's all good. Love your enemies. Forgive those who hurt you. What about science or faith? What about long creation or, you know, what about, what is it? What is it? Well, how much bitterness am I carrying, you know? That's a better question. That's a more interesting question. And I, does God give us a spirit of fear? No. So, so if, if we're moving, oh, we got, a, we got a call back there. Just kidding. If, you know, this, this really helps me is, um, you know, if you're moving in a spirit of fear, just, just picture you're, you're about to talk to somebody because you got to tell them something from God. If you're, if you're afraid, you're, you're probably moving in your own stuff. God gives a spirit of self-control, peace, you know, discipline, sound mind. If you're feeling crazy, God's telling me stuff, and I'm just, you know, just relax. It's all good. <laughs> just relax. Um, I'm going to close with the words of Paul. 
And this, this is where Paul comes to after 14 years of getting his world shook. And he doesn't stay Jew- Jewish the same way. He doesn't. He breaks tradition. He breaks, he trusts his experience of what happened on the road to Damascus. There was something so powerful in getting knocked off the horse. It changed. He didn't second, he, he went with it. He trusted the river. <laughs> he trusted the flow of God. And Paul comes to this place in life. He writes this after all those events. I'm not saying I have this all together. What? Who? Who's this guy? I'm not saying I have it all together. This is that I've made it, but I'm well on my way. You know, I'm making progress. I'm reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me, all of us. That's what the cross means. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all this. What? There were times when Paul was... The transformation of Paul is amazing. We're all on that path, okay? Um, But I got my eye on one goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. So what that means to Christ. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So in this is a beautiful example of conviction with humility, you know? It's determination, but a willingness to keep learning. Paul was led by somebody, you know, he couldn't see anything. He said, will you please lead me? And that was part of his breakthrough. When was the last time you asked somebody to lead you? Not, not a pastor, this, just a friend. There is power in that. So I'm just going to close with this. Is, um, man, you know, when me and River were playing in the cardboard box and she was loving it, She loved the box. It was awesome. We were having a good time. But when I ripped it off, she just laughed. And she was like, we're hanging out here now. (laughs) She's not attached to the box. Daddy's still there, you know. So God is still with you. No matter the shaking, no matter your doubts, no matter the trauma, the suffering, the broken dreams, you're on the path, the same path as Paul. So just be encouraged, my friends. We serve infinite love. And I say this in Jesus' name.